And I'm going to talk to you about finishing well this month. Now, there may be some other messages sprinkled in, but uh, for a couple of times, at least uh, two more times, I've got some, some great truths on finishing well. Um, the, the Christian life is, is a life of busyness. I know a lot of people who wish they could, could uh, quiet down, and God's doing that in the world. He's shut a lot of things down. But a Christian doesn't just sit and drink coffee all day. A Christian's busy doing things for God. Uh, you cannot be bored as a Christian. There are times where you rest, but there's, there's a need for the Christian to be busy going and going and going until you finish. Christian doesn't ever go, I'm finished. No, 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 no. You stay going until God says you're finished, until the job is finished, till life is finished. So Acts chapter 20 is where we're going to go on, and I need you to go to Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And uh, this is our memory verse, but I would like to read it one more time. Okay, Acts 20, 24 says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So here, now I know it's, it's hey folks, it's November. I mean, we're all saying, yuck. It, it, folks, listen, it's only two more months until 2020 is over. Yay, man. And not a moment too soon. It will be a joy to have 2020 in the rear view mirror, amen. But I got to ask you something. How are you doing as a Christian? How are you doing? Do you think you'll finish well? I mean, all of the struggles and the trials of our life are not accidental. God didn't get surprised by them. He's allowing them into your and my life. And how we finish is very important. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this month. You see, we started in January of this year with one goal. Ready? Remember Philippians 3, 13 and 14? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. I'm not crossed the finish line yet. But this one thing I do as a Christian, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, before me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He said, I got one goal, and that big goal is, and there's a lot of things that are pulling me backwards, and I forget them. I, I cut the ties to the past. I press toward the mark for the finish line, for the prize, and for that prize that is for those who finish that race. And it is a high call, and we've been called to. Uh, so uh, it's not an easy thing to reach that goal. The Christian life is not a walk in the park. Now, you ought to take walks in the park, but that's not stressful. That's relaxing. No, the Christian life is not even a short run. A Christian life is a marathon. It's a very long distance run with, uh, honestly, uh, it's kind of like uh, 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 the goal is to cross the finish line there. But most, most runners run on, uh, uh, on short tracks, and it's all flat, and it's all nice for the running shoes. But then there is the Christian life, which is like this, where it's beautiful, but it's rough and it's rugged and it seems like it's all uphill. Well, that's the Christian life. It's just rough. Somebody says, when I got saved, I thought it was going to be easy. I thought my troubles were over. Well, your troubles with God are over, but the devil now has become your greatest enemy and the world is your enemy, and life just is not going to make it easy for you to live the Christian life. So you press on anyway. Um, but how we finish, and this is the main point, 
is just as important as how we start. I think we started well in January. Then coronavirus came and a lot of uh, struggles have happened. So from day one, it was that way with, with the disciples of Jesus Christ where they started well, didn't they? But Jesus wanted them to finish well as well. So we find Paul in Acts chapter 20 wanting to finish well. So let's get some background here. Here in Acts chapter 20, Paul has stopped in a, uh, uh, in a town uh, near to Ephesus. It's in just about nine years' time, Paul had traveled 8,000 miles across the Middle East, what was called Asia Minor, and Southern Europe. He had, uh, uh, by, by uh, chapter 20, he stops nearby Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is one of his favorite churches next to Philippi. Ephesus was dear to his heart. It was a mature church at Ephesus that was meeting there. It was a great place to be a Christian in Ephesus. It was unlike Rome and unlike Jerusalem because it was filled with strong, committed, active, Bible-believing Christians. They were, they were so excited that Paul was there. Now, Paul calls for the church leaders. And in Acts chapter 20, you'll find him there in verse 17. This is from by Miletus. He sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. So um, uh, he calls for those elders. And that's an unusual thing. Why didn't he call for the whole church? Well, the theory is, the guess is that there were somewhere between 20 and 30,000 Christians in Ephesus. And if Paul said, hey, let's have a meeting, you talk about uh, overwhelming. 30,000 people trying to get around to see Paul would have been Impossible. So Paul calls for the leaders, for the for the church uh, 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 servants and the, the people who are in the ministry, the teachers and the, the ushers and the, um, uh, uh, the treasurers. And he called for all of the mature Christians, the leaders of, of that church that were spread out across that city. And he calls for them to come and meet him. Um, so remember, when the Bible talks about elders, he's not just talking about pastors. He's talking about mature Christians who are the teachers and the deacons and the ministry leaders. You see, he was scheduled to leave the next day and go to Jerusalem. He had some important things to pass on to him, pass on to them before, we, before he went on. Now, he reminds them of his life. He reminds them of his testimony since the day he got saved. And uh, uh, his life was just like our 2020 on steroids. His life was ups and downs and struggles and problems and disaster after disaster. And, oh, here's something new as an obstacle to him. And yet he stayed faithful. He stayed on course. Now, we're going to look at this testimony next week or the week after. But I want you to see he, he uh, announces that he's going on. He doesn't say, I'm stopping. I'm tired. I'm slowing down. I'm quitting. I'm changing. No. He had started... Or rather, he had started, uh, been started by Christ entering his life when he got born again. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 11, it says this, He came into his own, his own people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even the them that believe on his name. When you receive Jesus Christ, your new life was started by Christ. In Paul's Activity, Paul's effort, Paul's living 
had been started by Christ. You haven't started living until you've been born again and you've been forgiven and the Holy Spirit has indwelt you and you have you have the Son of God living inside of you and, and, and guiding you and, and, and strengthening you. So Paul's whole way of life had changed. His priorities had changed. I mean, it made him in from a, from a religious zealot to a gospel zealot. And here's Paul 20 years later, still going. You know, some people peter out, some people uh, uh, fizzle out, some people are so on fire for God at the beginning of their Christian life, and a few years later, pfft. some people in, 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 in every area of their life, they get started with a lot of excitement and very quickly things wear off. Not Paul, and it shouldn't be true in a Christian. Whatever you put your hand to, do it with all your might and stay at it till the job is finished. So Paul is still going, and he wanted to finish well. That's his goal. So he, he was determined to keep going and to, until he finished, but he wanted, he says, I want to finish well. That great, there was that great statement in heaven is the desire ought to be of every Christian. It says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So Paul up here. He's moved back. He's coming. He's on a, on a job, on, on a journey. He's got a, he's got a goal. He's got a focus where he's going to leave. He's left Europe, headed down. And he stops by Ephesus. And from Ephesus, he heads down to Jerusalem. That's where he's going. He said, I must be out of Jerusalem because that's where his heart is right now. He says, I'm going to get one last shot in Jerusalem to give him the gospel, to, to uh, uh, stand there in, in the streets of Jerusalem and give my people a uh, another chance to, to, to respond to the gospel. They crucified Jesus, but now they can believe. Now they can be born again. And he had no idea what he was getting himself into. But all along that way, this is not some young uh, uh, upstart. This is Paul down the line saying, I got to keep going. And I want to answer a question this morning and this whole month on how did he keep going? Going through what he had gone through. I mean, he's been stoned and left for dead. He's, uh, uh, he's been whipped, he's been beaten, he's been uh, rejected, he's been abandoned. How did Paul keep going? What enabled him to say, at the end of his life, I finished well? And if you want that to be your testimony at the end of your life, if you want that to be something that people say, they finished well, this is for you. So let's go back to, well, I, I won't take the time, but I'll just give you a brief summary of some things. It was, there were some things that were important that made Paul a good finisher. Number one, he was thoroughly converted. Thoroughly converted. Go back to Acts chapter 9, and you see Jesus Christ speaking to him. Now, you're listening to my voice, but I pray more than anything that you would listen to God's voice. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we look into the words of Scripture, because if you hear his voice, and if you don't harden your heart then, he will change you. He will save you. This book is what, what God gave us to know what he thinks and what he says. And Paul heard the voice of Jesus Christ. He met him on that road to, uh, to Damascus. It was a bright light. Um, knocked him off his feet. And there he could no longer struggle against this person that he doubted and he rejected. And it was that day on the road, of, uh, uh, on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 that Paul... The, the, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was, he was a killer. He got converted. He got thoroughly converted, folks. I, I, I got to tell you, he never got over that day 
um, when, when he got born again, I mean, he really got saved. And I, I know some people get saved and they really don't get into it. And I always wonder about that. But uh, I'm not to judge, but I'm going to tell you, when, when I see somebody really get saved, it, it, it just shines. I mean, it's evident. You don't have any doubt. And Paul, he never got over that day. Jesus Christ had saved Paul's soul from sin, and Jesus became Paul's Lord. See, everybody wants a savior, but nobody wants a master. And uh, Paul said, what will thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? And that's a great prayer to pray almost every day. So uh, Paul uh, uh, had a thoroughly changed life. Now, if you have just a feeling, you know, oh, it's Sunday, I guess I'll go to church. You know, if you just have a bit of interest in religion, I guarantee you it'll pass. It's called infatuation. Most people, when they, when they get into relationships, they don't have love, they have infatuation. And uh, when people start their jobs, they have no idea what getting there and getting involved in. And so give them a few weeks and they go, I want another job. They're infatuated, but they're not committed. So Christianity is different. You get into it, you find out the love of God and, and how much he paid for your soul. And you find out how much he loves you and he will never stop loving you. It changes you, folks. He Paul was thoroughly converted. Uh, so... Um, uh, if you if you have just a feeling, that's not the new birth. If you have just a little bit of interest, that's not the new birth. The new birth changes your whole life. So secondly, this building up to um, uh, Paul was constantly doing something. Before we get into our main message here, give me a little more background here. Uh, Paul was constantly busy. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because... You see, Christians, we believe the Bible, don't we? I'm a Bible believer. I hold up my Bible and I tell you, I believe every word of it, start to finish. I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't criticize it. I don't say it ought to be translated a different way. I don't think, uh, uh, um, um, I don't think God is out of date. I don't think the, think the Bible needs to be updated. Uh, I believe every word and every truth in this book. And let me just say this. It's very important to understand. Not only do Christians believe the Bible, but um, uh, Christians do the Bible. They do the Bible. Um, and um, uh, you don't, you don't um, uh, just get saved. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, deceiving your own selves. We're doers of the Bible. And you don't find Paul just sitting around just drinking coffee, you know, that's not what a Christian, I mean, I love coffee. I mean, I love fellowshipping and things, but that's not the Christian life. He, Paul, was super busy, always busy trying to do something for God, trying to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. You know, he tried his hand at preaching. For, as soon as he got saved, he tried his hand preaching up in Damascus and they threw him out. <laughs> he went to Iconium and Lystra and they stoned him. Went to Ephesus even and a riot broke out. He went out soul winning in the markets and ended up in the jails. So what? Paul never slowed down. He stayed busy living like Jesus was in control, not Rome. And it made a huge difference in the consistency of his life. Uh, so folks, I'm gonna tell you, you need to stay busy. I know some people who are very busy with their hobbies, amen. That keeps you busy, keeps your mind occupied. But while you're doing your hobby, be busy for the Lord. Pray. 
uh, use your hobby for, for, for mentoring and teaching about biblical priests. You know, used to be the things that we did and the things we experienced were always connected with a, mor with a moral, with, a, with a, a, a truth, and always, always, always influence the next generation, be doing something. If you're at work, sing gospel hymns. Man, when everybody else is talking about the weekend, you talk about Sunday. Uh, it'll make a big difference. You'll stay consistent if you're if you're public and if you're busy. But then he comes to verse 22. Now let's go and let's get into our message here because it's just a whole bunch to, to, to bring up about the life of Paul. And I'll talk a little bit more about it another week. But here in verse 20. Uh, now, well, uh, uh, let's go to start in verse 22, just verse 22. It says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And I want to just point out a few words there that we're going to focus on for the start. And that is, and now I go. Now, he was not making a promise. He wasn't making a wish. Uh, he didn't say something he was going to do next week or next year. He said it was something that he was going to do right then and now. Paul says, I'm going to keep going. You see, that was his life as a Christian. He was simply following the life of Jesus. Hold your place here and go to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Matthew, then comes Mark. Mark, chapter 1, in verse 38, because this was the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. He never stopped going and going and going. Uh, uh, I think Jesus probably got between four and five hours of sleep a night and all day long, every day, except for the Sabbath, even on the Sabbath, he taught and he walked and he went and he, he, he traveled until he met somebody else and then taught them about the kingdom of God. Uh, Mark chapter one and verse 38, Jesus said unto them, to his disciples, let us go into the next towns. All right, he's already been teaching and preaching in one set of towns. And he says, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. That's why I came. I came to go everywhere. And that's what the gospel's for. The gospel's not for Cork, Ireland only. The gospel's not for just where you live. The gospel is for everywhere. And Paul said, I go. Paul told everyone to watch him go. He uses the word behold back there in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, behold, he says, Take a look at my life. I want you to see my life. I want you to see me going. Behold, as I do the will of God. Paul was not timid. Now, he's not bragging, but we've lost this. We're too timid Christians. We don't want anybody to see us carrying a Bible to school or to work. Uh, we don't want to see anybody. Read us. Uh, we don't want anybody seeing us reading our Bible while we're uh, eating our lunch. That's That's wrong. Paul said, watch my life, my life. And if your life is consistent, you won't be ashamed of it. Um, uh, Paul's faith was very public, very real. And when Christians got scared and pulled back and started to hide, look at the darkness that took over. Look at the bugs that came out. Look at the wickedness that has taken over. And, and we need to be ashamed of the fact that we've been ashamed of our Christianity. Thirdly, great thought. Quitting was not a word in Paul's uh, dictionary. Uh, it was something he never thought of. Paul never thought, you know, I think I'll quit today. <laughs> I think I've been beat enough. 
I think I'm tired. I th I'm sure all those things crossed his mind, but the word quit never did, folks. Uh, and that's a good thing. You ought, to, you ought to blot that out of your dictionary and out of your vocabulary. He had a path that he was following. It had begun on the, on the road to Damascus four, uh, 20 years ago, 20 years earlier when he got converted. It had taken him to Tarsus, his hometown, then to Antioch, then to Jerusalem, all across Turkey, then across Greece and Southern Europe. Huh. Now it had brought him just briefly along to Ephesus and he was headed down to Jerusalem and ultimately up to Rome. Paul had a path that he was following, kind of like being on a ship. Some of the, some of the old ships before they had uh, motors, okay? Before there were steam-powered engines, there were sails. And you had to work with the trade winds. You had to work with the, the, the sea paths. There was a current in the sea. You had to take one current, one direction, another current coming back. And that's how people traveled back until about 200 years ago. And as a Christian, let me tell you, you have to, you have to find the will of God and let God take you and follow that course, however, wherever it leads you. And we're not like that. We're, we're the 21st century. We want to see everything. We want everything planned out. We want everything explained. We want everything. We've got to do all the research. We've got to have all the information, all the statistics, and we ruin it. We never go. So Paul said, I've got a path that I'm on. And uh, at this point, this is very, this is very tender. In, in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 20, Paul's letting go of these Christians. Again, I don't have the time, but the chapter has, has Paul, his heart is breaking. He's saying, I, I'm leaving. I probably will never be back. And this was heartbreaking to them because he had crisscrossed this, this city several times and it made such an impact on that city and on that area there. And he's saying, you guys are going to be fine. You're going to do just fine. He wanted to be an example of somebody who just kept faithful so that they would keep faithful, even though they weren't together. He was not abandoning them, but he was leaving them. And it was killing him, just like it was killing them. But he was showing them how to follow the steps that God had for them. The will of God for me is not the same as the will of God for you. But you need to know the will of God and do it. And when you do it, you need to desire to do it till it finishes, till it's done, till the rapture or until death. So now I got to say this. It is easier said than done to finish what God asked you to do. Jonah found that hard. And I'll tell you, every person who's ever tried to do the will of God and stayed at it, because I know eh, a thousand quitters for every two that actually keep going. I don't understand it. I just know I want to be on that side. And it may cost me every bit of sanity. It may cause me, cost me every bit of health, cost me all my money and my time. But in, my burden is to finish and to finish well. So not an easy thing. That's why we're going to study it this month. He's compelled. And not only is he continuing, but he's compelled to continue. Look at verse 22 again. Paul, and we'll read verse 23 as well. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, the things that are going to happen to me. Verse 23, say, we'd say, accept that. The Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, everywhere he went. The Holy Ghost was speaking to him saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. They stick to me. They're going to, they're going to always, I'm going to attract nothing but trouble. Now there are two things that are, are important here that are driving Paul. The first one is something in his spirit. 
And this is a wonderful phrase. I probably could take two hours just talking about being led of the Spirit, being bound by the Spirit, being convicted in your spirit, being sensitive in your spirit. There's a hundred concepts there that are different than being emotionally motivated or being physically motivated. Uh, the world is physically and sometimes emotionally motivated, but a Christian is spiritually driven. And Paul says, I am bound in my spirit. What is he talking about? Well, we would say, you know, in the modern terms, we say I'm, he's determined to finish. Well, that's a good word, but that's not strong enough. The word driven is a much better word. Obsessed is even better. Compelled, or let me just say this, forced. Not physically forced, where like you're having to grab your kids and get them out the door, going to school, and not emotionally forced, but spiritually driven forward. You can't but go and go and go. And what was that like? What was it like for Paul to be bound in the spirit? Well, this is, this is some of the things that come to my mind. I believe that there was a cry in Paul's spirit of the lost around him that he had to answer. He didn't expect somebody else was going to do it. He didn't call someone else and say, hey, go, go talk to them about the Lord. It was a cry he knew that they had that he had to answer. There was an unseen village for Paul just beyond the next hill that he had to go and find, like David Livingston. There was a person somewhere sitting down without hope, without God, that Paul had to meet and had to tell about Jesus. He couldn't ignore those calls. He was bound in his spirit to fulfill that call. Do you ever sense that call? Do you ever wake up with a sense of there are some things you've got to do today? Now, are those things emotional? Are they physical? Are they financial? Shouldn't they be spiritual? They should be. Um, don't let your radio, the YouTube, your friends, and definitely don't let sin quench the work of the Holy Spirit of God in your spirit. That's why we listen to spiritual music, not 96 FM and all of the world's music. I want my spirit to be sensitive to God's grip and God's push and pull in my life. Not only was he bound in the spirit, but here's a unique thing he says. He says, I don't know what's ahead of me. Now, that's very cute because everybody he met was telling him, oh, Paul, you're going to prison. Paul, they're going to afflict you. Paul, you're going to die. And listen to what he says in, in verse 22, the last half. He says, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Now, that's cute because he knew what people were telling him, but he, was, he kept himself blind. He kept himself ignorant of future problems, and that's a good thing. Now, I try, when I counsel people that are getting ready to get married, I try to bring up all the problems they're probably going to deal with. It's just a normal thing. You talk about all that. But sometimes you're going to have to just decide, I'm diving in, totally ignorant. I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm committed. I'm going to stay the course, and that's love, just as much as when you know that person inside and out. Both require faith. But Paul says this. He says, I'm blind on purpose. I honestly do not know what is ahead of me. I don't worry, he's saying. I don't fret. Even though he was warned by some, some of the most godly counsel, godly men who could see what lay ahead of Paul. And that was a good thing to hear. He needed to hear what other people saw for his life. But even though he heard about all the troubles that were ahead of him and there were chains, he was going to be in prison, beatings, in prison, and ultimately death, 
Here's the thing. This is the most important thing. When he says not knowing, he means this. He had no pre premonitions. He had no sense of worry. There weren't things going over in his head. Oh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Oh, this might go bad and that. No, he had no sense of what was ahead of him. He kept himself pulled back from that fear. There was no constant remembering of all the past failures and disasters. He had, here's the words, he had just blind commitment to the cause. And that's a good thing for Christians. God's looking for some people who have a, have a, a commitment to the cause that says, kind of like, and I use the example of somebody who's getting ready to jump out of an airplane and they're terrified. And the instructor says, jump. And he goes, I'm terrified. He says, close your eyes and jump. Now, if, you, if ever I got the chance to jump out of an airplane, first shoot me. Secondly, if I ever did it, then when I do it, I want my eyes open. I want to experience every second of it. But fear can make it so that you can't jump. And let me tell you, if you can't jump, close your eyes. Don't worry. Jump. And as you're falling, open your eyes and enjoy the ride. You don't go over your mind, oh, I'm traveling at, at 200 miles an hour in an airplane and I'm falling uh, 32 feet per second every second that I'm falling and speeding up and heading down towards the ground. And in 30 seconds, I'm going to go splat. You know, all those things don't go through your mind. Just jump. You've got a parachute. You've prepared. All you got to do is pull that cord at about 5,000 feet or whatever. Pull it and enjoy the ride all the way down. Close your eyes. Don't be so aware of all the dangers. Don't analyze everything so that it talks you out of doing something for God. Uh, another example I thought of, it was really cute, um, was uh, somebody learning how to drive. And they, they, they sit behind the wheel. And can you imagine being with an instructor that tells them about all the possible accidents that they're probably going to have in their lifetime and how horrible it is to be in an accident and how they might have to amputate their legs and how they might be squished and how this might go wrong. I mean, it'd be terrifying to drive, wouldn't it? Now, you need to know about some of those things, but you don't need to fear them. You need to get in the car and drive and be aware without going over and over and over all the things that might happen. Paul was going to serve God without thinking about anything that could go wrong. And you and I need to get in that habit as well. Because our fears stop us. Whereas faith compels us to believe God. So he was blind to all those future problems. Amen. Now, those two things, being bound and locked in the spirit and blind to the problems, did two things for him. Number one, it stopped him from ever considering quitting. That kept him from wanting to quit. He said, God's called me. And if he thinks I can do it, I'll do it. I may think I can't do it. I may want to quit. But I can't because he's called me. And the second thing is it caused him to prepare his heart and his mind so that he would last. We, we. We get into things thinking, well, I'm ready when you're not. And when you're in the middle of, of anything that you're doing for God, whether it's your marriage, whether it's raising your family, whether it's, it's being a gospel witness at work, whether it is um, uh, uh, trying to get your finances in line so that it, it, it's all uh, um, honest and godly, whatever you do for God, you constantly have to prepare so that the unexpected, when it happens, it doesn't stop you. That's why you save money. That's why you build up and invest in your home and in your family and in your relationships. You just don't expect it to work. It's not going to keep working. So you invest in it and you, you, you are constantly training for the unexpected. 
And uh, uh, finishing well is never a natural thing. It's not ever natural to finish well. Uh, you, you can't run a 26-mile marathon race without training. I tried it. I went 20 miles before I died. I didn't prepare right. When I was about, I'd say about 14 or 15, they had, it, it, was, it was, I thought, you know, I did some running, but I didn't train. And, uh, you know, if you're going to last as a Christian, if you're going to stay joyful as a Christian, if you're going to finish well and not bitter, make sure you're training and feeding and, and, and growing and not just expecting. All right. Here's his point. He says in verse 24, when he gets there, he says, but none of these things move me. And this is where I'm going to just really finish up with this thought. and We'll pick it up next week. But he says, none of these things. What's he talking about? What could he be talking about? Uh, I mean, he's talking about stubbornness. <clears throat> now, ladies, don't be ever be upset totally at your husband's stubbornness because God needs stubborn men who are not stubborn against God and stubborn against good and right, but they're stubborn against quitting and they're stubborn against sin. Uh, a, a, a Christian man is built to be stubborn. He knows how to deal it, dig his heels in to be be stuck somewhere and to not change. It'd be wonderful if he was stuck in the middle of the will of God and he was deciding, I'm never going to change from this. So none of these things move me is a good thing. Now, what things were Paul talking about? Well, he kind of gave you a little hint on that thing. He talked about all the possible problems he was going to experience. He says, those things don't, don't scare me. They're not going to stop me. All the hardships. It's funny because he'd already experienced incredible hardships during the previous 20 years. So there's nothing new when he when people were saying oh, bonds and afflictions. He's I've already been in prison several times. I've already been whipped several times. Fears and not just fears like uh, of a sound in the night. I mean terrifying fears of people coming to kill you. Uh, his own enemies weren't going to distract him or discourage him, demonic or otherwise. Vast distances he had to travel. None of those things. I I, I can't tell you. Paul never stayed in a five-kilometer radius, never stayed in a 20-kilometer limited area. He covered 8,000 miles preaching the gospel. The last 2,000 on his way to Rome. I'm telling you, Paul never let vast distances discourage him and move him away from doing the work of the ministry. Government oppression? What if it became illegal for us? What if... YouTube and Twitter and all of these places shut us down because we're Christian. What would we do? Would we be discouraged? Would we say, well, let's just not have church then. It's not legal anymore. Are you sure? You see, he didn't let government oppression stop him. And he didn't let blatant bigotry against Christianity and rejection of his message ever stop him. You know, uh, it is wrong to prejudge. It's wrong to be a bigot. It's wrong to uh, be racist. It's wrong to to look at somebody and prejudge them based on anything. And yet they do it to Christians. So we take it. I'm not going to let how people treat me and how people look at me stop me from loving them, stop me from caring about their soul, stop me from doing good to them when they've done me evil. That's our life. You see how it works? So these are the things that Paul says, none of these things move me. None of them made any difference to Paul. And that's, that's important. You couldn't change Paul's mind or his will or his attitude. I guarantee you Paul had bad days, 
just like we all do, but he never stayed down. Nothing was going to stop him from finishing well as a Christian. He wanted more than anything to just keep going and going until God decided it's finished. You did enough, whether at the rapture or at death. Until that moment, Paul said, I'm just going to keep going. You say, was Paul going to retire? As far as I know, Paul never had any plans to retire. Even if he was in a hospital bed, even if he was in prison, even if he couldn't get out of bed, he was going to serve the Lord some way, somehow. That's my goal. So for me to become a Christian was easy. Wasn't it easy for you? I mean, what did you do to become a Christian? Huh. You did nothing but believe. If you got baptized, you're still going to hell. If you got baptized to be a Christian, you are lost and on your way to hell. You say, well, I've been baptized three times. You're three times a child of hell now. You say, well, I've joined 14 different churches. You're 14 times a child of hell. You say, well, I give away all my money. Well, good for you, but that didn't buy you into heaven. You see, there's nothing you can do that can get you right with God. Jesus did it all. All to him you owe. Um, what you do is you believe that what Jesus did was enough. Belief. If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You're not on your way to being saved. You're not on a journey to be saved. When you believe, you're born again. You see, Jesus Christ makes you a Christian, not your church, not this preacher, not some water somewhere. Jesus makes you a Christian. And it's easy. That's easy to become a Christian. But now that you're a born-again Christian, now that I'm a born-again Christian, Mm, it's up to me to do four things. Number one, to live for Christ. It's up to me. I know how to live for the devil. I know how to live for me. I know how to live for my friends. I want to live for Christ. I want to live so that he's pleased. I want to live according to his will. And then I want to live like Christ. It's up to me if my life in a morning when I wake up, it's up to me whether my words edify or cut. It's up to me whether my life actually helps or hurts others. I want to live like Christ. It's up to me. And Paul says, none of these things are going to change me. I choose whether I'm going to finish or not. Don't you dare decide, well, the devil stopped me. Oh, he's been trying to stop you ever since the day you were saved. But he can't stop you, dear Christian. You quit. You say, well, I, I, of course you can't. Well, I can't do it. Of course you can't do it. That's why you got to pray. That's why you got to lean on Christ. That's why in your weakness, you're more dependent upon him than ever. There is no quitting in the kingdom of God. There's, there's pausing. There's resting. But wow, we keep going. To live like Christ would be the hardest thing you ever do and most rewarding. Third thing, it's up to you to finish well. You see, we want the Lord to sort of just drag us along and carry us along on wings of eagles and wants us to carry along flower, the, 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 the flower beds of ease all the way to the finish line. It doesn't work that way. A racer, a runner in a race pushes himself and pushes himself and pushes himself and pushes himself and presses on and presses on and presses on until he finishes. And that's the Christian life. Paul said, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish, and I'm going to finish well, no matter how hard. So here's Paul. Let me just finish the verse. But none of these things move me. And I'm not going to finish the verse. I just want to finish that thought. Now, um, next week, that verse, that verse 24, down to verse 27, go ahead and read it later on, gives you some secret weapons that Paul has 
that that enable him so that he keeps going, so that he he doesn't quit. And they're kind of like these guys who do jujitsu, these Brazilian jujitsus, and these guys. I mean, they may look you know wimpy, they may look small, but you face off with somebody who knows jujitsu. I mean, they'll take you down without even you knowing, without you blinking, because they're, they they have secret weapons, which means they have techniques, they have ways of hurting their enemy. And we have secret ways, secrets of the world, it's all in the Bible, so that we don't quit, so that we finish well, so we stay. Listen, the world is, is going a different path than we should. I mean, the terror that's in the hearts of, of people should not be affecting believers. We should stay the course. We should be starting more churches than ever. We should be preaching to more people than ever. And we are through the internet, which is kind of a wild thing. We, we should be seeing more people saved than ever. We should be affecting our generation with the gospel like never before. Why aren't we? Because there are too many people who have decided eh, it's not worth it or it's hard or I don't care what. I agree with all of it, but I don't obey it. I will, I will do one thing and that is till, till my dying breath, just like Paul, I wanna finish and I wanna finish well. So for those of you who have started the year 2020 well, you're saved, you know it. Well, let me tell you how to stay going. Simple things, by making Jesus Christ your way of life. Not a Sunday event, but all day, every day. He's just integrated in everything you do. If you're going down to the shop, go with Jesus. As you go, be a witness, be a light, take a gospel track, serve the Lord. You're, you're feeding your kids, sing. Sing gospel songs, sing Jesus loves me. Um, uh, create an atmosphere in your home. You're, you're mowing the grass, pray. Walk with the Lord. Make Jesus Christ your way of life. If you do that, you'll be like Paul and you'll be able to last. Second thing, just start doing something. There are too many of the people in our church who haven't sat down in the children's church and watched the different teachers teach to find out if you could. Whatever you, whatever you can do, try to serve the Lord. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, just say, Put me in a ministry, Pastor. Let me be involved. Even though we're on the internet, I need help. I need people who contact me and say, how can I help? And then we do things. I mean, we're doing some unusual things right now on the internet. Would you help me? Just start doing something. If you want to finish well, you got to be doing something. Third, allow God to bind your heart and spirit to the cause of Christ. Don't get into this infatuation mode where, oh, uh, well, if I feel like it, or, oh, right now I'm excited. Well, good. But you're going to have to let God get your heart so that whether the world is making you happy or sad, your heart is focused. And you say, God's got my heart, not my boss, not my banker, not even my, my problems. Allow God to have that heart. And then ignore all you've experienced. Paul never looked back. Paul never focused on his failures, never focused on who was chasing him. He always reached forward. He always wanted to cross that finish line and cross it well. He says, I want to finish my course with joy. Don't, don't fear nothing. Uh, whatever you're facing, don't fear anything. And decide every day, decide every day, I'm going to finish well. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish by the help and the grace of God. But it goes back to an important question I've got to ask you. And that is, have you even started in the Christian life? You didn't start the day you were born. 
You didn't start the day you were baptized as a baby. You didn't start the Christian life when you were confirmed or christened or, or um, uh, Holy Communion. You start only in the Christian life when you get born again. And if you have spent 40 years in churches and in religions and you've never been born again, you're going to wake up in hell. And you're going to regret every second of your life where you did not humble yourself and cry out and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. You can do that right now. It's not by accident you're watching this. It's not by accident that you're learning about the Christian life and you're being invited to join it. See, Jesus Christ paid for you to have a whole new life. He says, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if you want it, all you have to do is ask for it humbly. You just don't negotiate with God. You ask Jesus into your heart. You beg him, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Be honest with him. Don't negotiate with him. Come empty, come messed up, come broken and say, Lord, make me your child. I don't know what's ahead. I don't care what's in the past. If you don't care, I don't either. I just want to follow you. And from this day forward, I will. No matter how many times I fall, I'm going to stay following you. Would you pray that? Would you just talk to God right now? Bow your head. Everybody, would you bow your head? As I pray, would you ask Jesus, if you're not saved, if you haven't started the Christian race, haven't started the Christian life, would you ask God to bring you into it? By him coming into your life, invite him in right now. You, you can do it. That's how easy it is. Ask him. Father, in this message here, we've been talking about finishing, but I fear for people who haven't even started and they may spend their life struggling, trying so hard to be a good and to be like a Christian, but they've never been a Christian. They only put on the outward show and in their heart of hearts, it's dark, it's empty. And that's not needed. That's, that's a waste of life. May they get saved today. I'm sure they've got friends, family, wives, husbands praying for them right now. Would you save my husband? Would you save my kids? Would you right now, God, would you save the hearers of this message, every that everyone who's listening decide, okay, Jesus, you win. I never had an experience like Paul. I never, I've been go, going on my own way. Lord, if you'll take me, I'll take Jesus. If you'll forgive me, I'll live for you. Let me just tell you, dear friend, Jesus promises him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I'll never throw you away. I'll never stop you. I receive everyone who comes to me by faith. Would you just trust Jesus this day? And then, dear Christian, that same trust that you took when you got saved and you, you used, use it every day of your life to finish. God's not asking you to carry all the weight. He's just asking you to keep going. So bless us as we finish this service now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm